Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to a football podcast with myself, Christian Jack, and Stephen Caldwell. Today, we chat about all things Canadian Premier League as the inaugural match has taken place in Hamilton, Ontario. Toronto FC versus Portland Timbers. Montreal got three points, a big three points in New England after woes of travel for 24 hours. We'll get into that. Cardiff's relegation battle, Liverpool against Huddersfield. Barcelona's La Liga dominance with the Champions League coming up this week. And as Portland just defeated um, a lifeless Toronto FC here at BMO Field and the Canadian Premier League has kicked off, what a good day for Canadian soccer. We are here at... Um what is this? Is this the uh, GM suite, president yes. suite, something yeah. like that? Front here at BMO office Field? suite at BMO Field. Front office suite at BMO Field. So if the phone goes, there's probably some agent saying you need an attacking player <laughs> uh, to Toronto FC, but we'll see whether that happens. But um, yeah, uh, we're tired. We've been going at it all since this morning. You're not 100%, so no. every credit to you to fight your way through this. But yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad. But And Sean, he's fine. So if we yeah. just get a little bit low energy here, Sean's going to call us out and <laughs> you're going to carry the show. Is that all right, mate? I'll, I'll pick it up. Yeah. yeah. Don't but you're worry. a big guy. Uh, before we get into the games of the week, you're, you've followed this game uh, in this country longer than us two um, immigrants, should we call ourselves? <laughs> yes. Uh, so what does today mean to you, Mr. Sean Kay? It's really important. It's something that if you were to talk to me 15 years ago and would have said that we had a game in Hamilton, a game in Toronto, and both had about 40,000 combined, I would say you're crazy. You couldn't get two to 3,000 at Varsity Stadium to watch the Toronto Lynx yeah. or even the national team. And so to see this 15 years, it's it's special. And I know that there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but it's still a really, really nice moment for Canadian soccer. Yeah, I think that's the key, isn't it? It's going in the right direction. And we've, we've launched a league in Canada that, that's been needed for so long, KJ, is as good as TFC's had success, Vancouver moments and Montreal impact. We need more than just three really true professional teams we need a league and we need the growth of that league to, to start it has to start somewhere yes it's seven teams and it's it's going to be difficult for a few years until the quality builds up but now the kids that are playing between 10 and 14 younger age groups they have an aspiration they have something to to look towards beyond just three mls t- t- sides yeah exactly and i'm glad you mentioned in terms of putting the perspective it's important sometimes that gets lost doesn't it about how quickly we've moved forward here and how many people were genuinely interested on a blustery 
very chilly, cold Ontario Saturday afternoon yeah. uh, to have a commitment to go out there and, and, and watch these two games where you couldn't go to both. You had to pick one or the other, you know, separated by a, a little bit of traffic so that we would good luck getting to both. And in the end, um, both of them went off as a great success. We'll get into both of those and, the, and what happened on the field shortly. Uh, we're going to start, though, in the Premier League. This is being taped before Manchester City play on Sunday, but... It really isn't about Manchester City. This discussion is more about Liverpool going into a Champions League weekend semi-final against the Barcelona team we'll get into later, who've just won the La Liga. Uh, Liverpool cruised to a 5-0 victory over Huddersfield to send a message back to Manchester City, who beat Manchester United comfortably since we've last spoken on this podcast as well. We did that game for TSN. So I guess it is a little bit of both uh, just continue to reach different levels of, of, uh, of quality. And again, I think... The topic tactically, which we so often like to get into, is the the common thread from the Manchester City derby victory on in midweek and Liverpool's victory Friday night was uh, vibrant attacking wide players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. isn't that the, the the theme of this podcast, KJ? I think we're going to bring it up a number of times yeah. across the the global game of football across continents. But vibrant wide players, and you know, the first one I'm going to pick up on is is Andy Robertson, uh, Scottish international. Just the development in his game is astounding, isn't it? it really is. You know, the the, the real the, the lad came to Hull from Scottish football and uh took a bit of time to settle as, as most people do. It's a big big jump. Big jump to come from Scotland and, and to play uh you know for a team in, in you know the top two leagues in England and he got better, he improved, he then went to Liverpool and it was another enormous jump. And he took some time to get used to that. And there was a lot of weeks where he wasn't playing and everyone's saying, well, is this wasted money by Liverpool? And I'm not certain how much he paid. I think it was just above 10 million, maybe 10, 12 million. And lo and behold, he starts to get a bit of a game. And now he's, in my opinion, in the discussion for the best left backs in the world, yep. he's been the best left back in the Premier League this season. He has 11 assists to his name. And he's, he's just relentless marauding down that left wing for Liverpool, which he sort of controls himself because Manny likes to drift inside uh, is, is magnificent to watch. The lad on the other side is a, a truly exceptional player. Robertson has energy and drive and motivation and can put a lovely ball in the box. The other lad has everything in his game. Trent Alexander-Arnold is a, a phenomenal football player. He could play any position in the field. I think he'll play centre-half at times in his career. Yeah, good I sure. think he'll play centre-mid, like you've said many times. He's a magnificent right-back. He's, he's a truly outstanding player. And most of their creativity comes from two full-backs. It's remarkable in a team with hundreds of millions of pounds worth of player and many of them are great of course the goals come from the front three more often than not the creativity comes from the two fullbacks so when you're a centre-back and you're playing with fullbacks of that quality and you've played with some very good fullbacks yeah. over the time as well how does that how does that make your job different I mean I'm sure the whole technical confidence of the squad is just contagious based on how good they are going forward when you're playing a team like that but obviously they take a, a few more risks than than, than some other sense than, yeah. than some other defensive uh, fullbacks of, uh, you've had as well so how does that impact the centre-backs game yeah it's a great point KG I, I think in the evolution of the game you know you had the the, the stay-at-home fullbacks I want to call them guys who were really connected to their back four you know, supported from behind, gave it to their winger, was always that option to kind of back up the play and allow the winger to go 1v1 or, or create. And then you started to get the attacking guys uh, nearer the end of my career where they would go 
bombing forward and, and become almost like these uh, these hybrid wingers. Mm-hmm. But they weren't so keen to get back, were they? <laughs> they were, no. You had to ask central midfield players to go into wide areas or you needed quick uh, quick centre-halves to go down channels. And, and so you started to see some vulnerabilities and, and we questioned a lot of them defensively. And now we've got this new breed of guys, you know, Robertsons and Trent Alexander-Arnold's, Kyle Walker would be in that equation. Mendy could go on and on. Dania is another one. Yeah. Well, yeah, they bomb forward. They create the creativity in the the um, opposition, the forward half for the, the, their team. But they're quick to get back as well. So you never really notice them being out of position. And and I think Liverpool's two are the perfect example of that. Just phenomenal. The, the the shape of the team does allow them to do that. And and you'll get one of the, the defensive midfield players, whether it be when Alden's been playing there a little bit for Liverpool, but. It's, traditionally Fabinho this season sometimes Henderson they sit in and they allow the centre half just to be a bit wider but they're very rarely caught out of position mm. you watch it they, they they get back so quickly the energy levels of these two guys are phenomenal and I don't think we talk about that enough as we see the quality from the assists we don't talk about the fact these guys are running 13, 14 kilometres every single game yeah. 60 odd games a year and when they go forward then it's how important is it that you as centre backs don't bring that defensive anxiety into them so they're allowed that freedom to go on because yeah. no, you know they're going to come back and occasionally they may have that couple of steps behind where yeah. you have that uh-oh moment and you have to take a couple of steps deeper but for the most part that just comes down to I would imagine relationships and trust yeah trust is a great point and and these guys trust each other on the ball don't give away very often so they are first and foremost I'm saying to my fullback, on you go, because I know we're not going to give the ball away. If I feel vulnerable with my team and I think we're going to give the ball away, I'm asking them maybe to hang in a little bit. And I think tactically the game's really evolved and that you'll see teams, Ryan Nelson first taught me this at TFC, so that's how late on in my career it was. We talked about boxing forwards off, so instead of the traditional sort of standing behind the forward, then pressure them, we went into a box. So if you if you had two, we sort of went a four, we had two central mid players, sometimes it'd be a fullback coming in and you're two central defenders. And so he's, he'd never say, mark behind them, mark in a box. So it's very difficult for the, the, the exit pass from the defensive team right. to get into that striker and then you're vulnerable to a counter-attack. And I think City and Liverpool are two of the best in the world at it. They, they really do an amazing job. Keep the ball most of the time, give it away, and there's no chance of counter-attack just because of the positional play of Fabinho, Van Dijk, Matip, or Lovren, as it was on, on Friday night. They're in the perfect position. There's no way out for most teams, and then it just gives the, the full-backs that extra second or two to get back in their position. Huddersfield played okay in the game. They did. Uh, but they, they had the chances, they had didn't the they? chances, but they took it to them a little bit, and I think when you're a team of the quality of Liverpool, you almost enjoy that. They do want not? it, don't they? You enjoy it, don't you? Like, I don't think many teams this year have even gone at Liverpool like that who are so inferior yeah. to them. And in the end, they got spanked in the scoreline. But I think Huddersfield came off thinking we gave it a, we, our own shot yeah. and played our own way. And to be honest, they could have played a different style and still got spanked. So yeah. at least they stuck to their own identity. But if you're Liverpool, I think they almost looked like they were enjoying that fact that they were almost the shackles were off a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and, and I think that's credit to Jan Sievert because, you know, he's obviously relegated in the Premier League, but he's he's building for next year, isn't he? So yeah. he's got to build a mentality and a way of playing and see who's going to come with him out of that Huddersfield group. And so that 
aggressive forward press. I think he really wants to play that style of football. We're going to see that in the, the championship next year. And I think Huddersfield, if they recruit well, maybe a team that, that can bounce straight back up just because I do like things about Seaver. He's, he's had a tough time, isn't he? Yeah. He's lost a lot of games and it's easy to get negative in the guy, but he's, he's, he's basically playing with a, a squad that are not up to the Premier League and he, he's trying to bring this, this new way in. And, uh, I agree with you. He could have went there, sat back. Still took a three or four nil. Instead, he wanted to stamp his authority on this the squad, tell them what it's going to be like next year. Had a bit of go at Liverpool and uh, and caused them some problems. Could have easily had two or three goals. They had some big chances, but Liverpool just looked like they were toying with them that little bit. They 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 had so many goals in them. You know <laughs> they did they did. Man, and you you like you mentioned it on TSN. Manny and and Salah having their own little top scorer competition literally didn't want to pass each other in the setting that it was almost like it was a training game it was in, in a schoolyard game wasn't yeah. it you know when you yeah. play with that mate at the school it was just yeah. like really greedy you know what I mean like I had, I had a mate at school called Andrew Kennedy he was so greedy he never passed anybody the ball do you know what I mean and like yeah. he was so good that on the playground I used to say you're going for a trip around the world you just take you to keep the ball all the time and yeah. Just ne- yeah we all played with that greedy mate didn't we yeah. everybody had one um, you talk about Mal Salah and Sadio Mane uh, Salah gets to 21 points Premier League goals, Sadio Mane gets to 20. Only four times in the Premier League era as two players from the same team had 20 plus goals in the same season. I could quiz you, but I know you're not feeling very well. So I know it. You do? Shearer and Sutton. Shearer and Sutton is not right. No. Ooh, no. So I don't know it. You don't know it. Um, uh, do you know what York mean? and Cole? Uh, nope. Oh, for two. Okay, go yeah. and tell me. Phone a friend or uh, <laughs> um, a 50-50. How about I give you the year and the, and the give team. me the year. Nineteen ninety-three, ninety-four, and it would be Newcastle. Uh huh. Oh, Colin Beardsley. Correct. Andy Cole, thirty-four. Peter wow. Beardsley, twenty-one. What a player Peter Beardsley yeah, was. Yeah, he's a pretty good predictor as well. Yeah, he is. He's second. <laughs> just second behind Stephen Colwell and scoregeist dot com. Uh, Chelsea. Uh, Drogba. Drogba, twenty-nine, and. The uh, English midfielder Lampard. Lampard. Wow, that's exceptional. And 2013-14 Liverpool. Luis Suarez, 31. Gerard. Daniel Sturridge, Sturridge. 21. Okay. Yeah. I bring that up because Luis Suarez gave a very good interview this week on The Guardian with the outstanding Sid Lowe, where he talked about obviously his trip back to Anfield in the Champions League, but he was asked about that battle when Steven Gerrard slipped in the year. They got very, <coughs> very close yeah. to, the, to the title. And obviously the scene of him crying at Selhurst Park when they gave away the three-goal lead. And he said something very interesting to that I mentioned a little bit on TSN where he said, we just felt that was our one chance. Yeah. And they were coming to an end. They're an aging team. I think there's only three players left from that. One of them is a goalkeeper, Mignolet. Yeah. Um, and the thing is with this Liverpool team is regardless of whether they win the Premier League, this is not their one chance, is no. it, mate? They're building something so special here. And next year, there's there's a very good chance they may not get this amount of points, but there's also a very good chance they might win the Premier League. Yeah, a very, very good chance. And for a number of years, and, you know, these two teams at the top, City and Liverpool, are, are going to be the team to beat, the teams, I should say, to beat for a good few years, KJ, in every competition, because they're just getting stronger and stronger. They have the correct kind of leadership, the backing of a football club that will go and, uh, you know, if Klopp says, I need 70, 80 million for a player, I think they'll back him again. They've proved that already. Same yeah. for Guardiola. Guardiola will strengthen this summer, in my opinion. He's already came out. He, he needs some players. I think he sees 
a wonderful team, but he sees some problem areas, mainly in that deep midfield position with Fernandinho getting on a bit in years and Gundogan's future a little bit uncertain. It seems like he might want another challenge elsewhere in Europe. Yep. To me, that would be a key priority for City to, to keep that Gundogan's guy. Done, Gundogan's done very well in that defensive role He's with been brilliant. Fernandinho being out. So. Yeah, and I, I think I love Fernandinho. He's an unbelievable football player and he is exceptionally creative for a deep line midfielder, but I think Pep wants more of a Gundogan profile, yeah. if that makes sense. A so guy who more quality on the more ball. quality on the ball can can actually carry it forward. Uh, and uh, Fernandinho's amazing, but he's coming to the end of his career, and and Gundogan just does it with a wee bit more panache than than even him. So I, I think maybe keep Gundogan or certainly getting another player like that. But I'm with you. These guys are going to compete for a number of years. They've got everything. They've got they've got youth in their side. They've got experience in the right areas. Um, good goalkeepers, which is absolutely crucial, and and goals galore. It's just about finding that X factor, isn't it? That that little bit of something different, sort of like what Man City tried with Mares in the summer. Could argue that it's worked or it's not. I think at times it's looked okay, but just a different look. To their, to their style of play yeah. and I think Liverpool will especially go look for that in the summer and, and to me that's a, a very creative maybe even a wide guy as such but a creative midfielder a, a, a sort of number 8 slash 10 that can really open the door with a pass Trophies are really nice but you know almost as special as changing the identity of your team and it yeah. isn't that long ago not that long ago at all that we would have said that Liverpool would have had a real problem recruiting stars Yeah, and now no star's going to think twice, are they? No. Jurgen Klopp or Liverpool start coming knocking on your door. Back-to-back Champions League semi-finalists, Champions League finalists last year, could go this year, could win the Premier League, maybe not. Yeah. World-class players, tradition of, 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 you know, unlike any other, and a manager who you know can get you better. Yeah. So they're not going to have any problems. No, and, and if you think about it, if they do miss out in this Premier League title and, and potentially a Champions League, you could be that guy that could be that difference maker for one of the biggest clubs in the yeah. world. What well, that to me is a big incentive. I would always love to be that kind of that kind of signing where I can go and the Cantona type effect of Manchester United in the early nineties, where they're a good team and they're they're primed to win, and someone just got them over the line. To me, that might be the player they're looking for this summer. We'll continue our discussion on the Premier League title race in future podcasts. And a reminder, next week, I think we're going to tape on the Monday yeah. uh, because Manchester City play on the Monday. So uh, just wait a little 24 hours for the show, if you don't mind. And we promise you that we'll give you our uh, thoughts on the title race heading into week 38 at that point. So that should be fascinating. Before we get to Toronto FC and the reason why we, ha- we are here at BMO and some more of the headlines with Shawnee, including the Canadian Premier League, quick word on the relegation battle. We worked on Fulham Cardiff this morning in South Southampton, Bournemouth. Southampton are safe. They threw 3-3 with Bournemouth. Brighton would then go on to get a 1-1 draw. Pascal Gross got an equaliser in the second half after um, Iose Perez again yeah. score for Newcastle. Um, so mathematically not done, but let's be honest, it Cardiff have to win, I think, both the last two games now. So um, in the end, they had the chances against Fulham. Neil Warnock um, has grown on us through the year. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Positivity, who knew? You know, who knew that uh, the grumpy man in the garden would come out and be uh, putting a smile on our faces, but he's been realistic. He's been very honest. Um, he's been very positive to his players. He's never really once talked them down in the media and he deserves a lot of credit. And Cardiff will uh, be gone. Uh, but not forgotten from this season. No, they won't be forgotten. They've played their part and, and Warnock's been terrific. He's been way more positive than 
have ever known him to be playing against him for, for most of my career in England between the two leagues. Uh, he was always a fierce competitor, but, you know, he'd, he'd, uh, he'd do any... Let, let's just say he would uh, he would bend the rules to win most yeah. of the time, and I think he would still do that. But this season, I just think he's had a vibrant saying and a real appreciation of his managerial career coming to an end. Luke mentioned it today. We've been saying that for about 10 years with him as well. But realistically... He, he probably got one more season and I'm Sharon most. says he can keep managing. <laughs> yeah, Sharon, Sharon basically decides everything for his yeah. life. But he's been great and they've been great. I, on a, a word on today's game, I, they're over, they've overperformed the entire season, but I just think they could have went there and been more positive today, KJ. Yeah. I thought they went there, they were trying to get a point, they expected probably Brighton to lose every game and they thought, We'll get a point. It'll be absolutely vital. We'll put everything in the home game next week. And I just thought, I just think when you've got opportunities of games, you need to treat every one of them as one that you need to go and try and win, especially against a relegated team in Fulham who have had a great upturn in, in the last few weeks with, with Scott Parker. But that was a chance. Yep. And they waited and waited. Ryan Babel scored a, a sensational goal. And then they started playing and they created... Six, seven chances. Glorious chances yeah. too. Morrison so, at the end. Oh, yeah. so many chances. Yeah. Morrison should have put one away. A few headers I can think about and Hoyle hit the bar. Um, and I just thought, go like that from the start and the game was there for them. And even if you lose, it's you're sort of glorious in defeat if you go at it like that. But they decided to be a bit more defensive and, 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 and try and hang in the game in the end it cost them it did and Cardiff uh, along with Fulham and Huddersfield to be relegated and replaced by Norwich who have come up yep. they will be coming up after they uh, secured I think did they get a point in their game today I think they got at least a point sure. uh, they, yeah they, they won 2-1 so um, and they're up and uh, Sheffield United uh, not yeah. mathematically sorted <laughs> yet but with a huge goal difference and with the game to come on Sunday um, they are up and they've been celebrating on the streets of Sheffield uh, all night as well so um, shout out to our friend Luke Wanman and our yeah, he's Dobbies. delighted, They're isn't he? Very pleased about that. And one more team that may come up. Well, we'll see who that may be. You're in, hoping in Aston Villa, KJ. Uh, we'll come on, hey, we'll see. Declare um, an interest. <laughs> <laughs> Declare an interest very easily, but hey, a lot, a lot of a lot of work to come. As I saw last year, anything can happen in the playoffs. Um, Toronto FC one, Portland Timbers two. Uh, a very disappointing uh, result from Toronto FC's point of view. And quite frankly, based on the performance, they deserve nothing else. Deserve nothing from the game. They were, I think, was it you or Luke that said lifeless in, in the broadcast? I like that. That was a, a, a good quote about TFC's performance today. It was it was lifeless. They were just had no energy. They had no real um, cohesiveness to their attacks. No real idea what they were trying to do. And I honestly didn't really see it coming uh, you were the one that predicted this you saw some warning signs and you felt it would be a struggle for them but against the Portland team who I've you know I've been disappointed with I, I thought that TFC would have had too much and they would have found the space to, to cause problems they didn't at all Portland were magnificent best they've played all season by far Blanco was involved Valeri and Blanco were connecting unlike they have in any game this season and uh, and they look very dangerous Mid midfield of Chara and uh, Paredes was, was terrific as well and and TFC are lacking uh, a real spark at the moment well they have one real spark Alejandro Pozuelo and if he has an off game like he did today and he's, he's sort of shackled out by uh, quality midfield of, of Chara. Chara particularly was, was next to him most of the time. 
then they have nothing else, like nothing else. And that to me is a big worry and a big problem when you're considered one of the front runners, certainly in the East, to, to come through and, and be potential MLS Cup champions. To have nothing other than, than one guy, Altidore gets injured, Pozuelo has an off game and the whole attack just looks like it's insipid, to be honest. Yeah, I went to Greg Vanek's press conference shortly before we started this podcast, and he used that word a little bit that you said in terms of disjointed and talking about his team disconnected. Um, said Portland were a bit more cohesive than they were. They're too much possession, Toronto FC, for the sake of possession, not yeah. enough going forward. Didn't seem overly concerned, more of an isolated performance. Uh, I would lean on the on the other side of that. I yeah. think this has been a performance that I've seen coming a little bit. I don't want this to be about me and I know more than Greg Vanny. That's not the case. Yeah. I just see it a little bit differently than him. That's what the game's about, is about opinions. And um, I just felt that today, uh, some of the warning signs that we spoke about in, po- in past podcasts, and I'm going to use that word again, and I'm going to use the word balance. Yeah. It's unbalanced. Yeah, the it's- squad is completely unbalanced. Um, Greg Vanny um, addressed it at the end of last season, his need to get more attacking wide players. They don't have them. I addressed that with him today. He's he's of the belief right now, which I can understand being the coach of the team, that the team needs to trust the players putting those wide players more. Yeah. I understand why he would say that because that's his first priority. It's easy for me to sit here and ask to say, they got to go out and get a wide player now. Yeah. And he may say that privately, but he's not going to come out there and say that publicly after a loss like that. So he has to figure out what he can. He can, con- it's controlling the controllable. Yeah. For Greg Vanny. Yeah. These are my players that I've got. I have to figure it out. But the alarming thing for me is that when Sebastian Javinko was moved aside, there was an opportunity to change the formula of how this attack looks and go to this 4-3-3 or go to this area that Greg Vanny has always wanted and get some wide players and maybe a Pozuelo is in that three. Yeah. And today was the example of that. Today, Pozuelo was too far ahead of the ball, mm-hmm. waiting for things. And then when he got it, was trying a little bit too much. Yeah. And again, I use the word, not a, there's not enough technicians. And I feel for Rosario, yeah. stuck outside on the left-hand side, um, where he's not really dictating the game. Jonathan Rosario today, I'm pulling up right here, 21 out of 31 passes. Yeah. That's it's that, not on the ball enough. Not is on he? the ball enough. Twenty-one yeah. out of thirty-one passes. Nick DeLeon, twenty-seven out of thirty-three. Marky Delgado, forty-one out of forty-seven. Justin Morrow, forty-seven out of sixty-two. Pozuelo, fifty-one out of sixty-one. Um, Auro, sixty-five out of seventy-two. Bradley, eighty-four out of ninety-four. Yeah. So my point being is that like you've got a player there in Jonathan Azori who got the goal, who's paid a lot of money and he's he deserved it. He's he's a, he's a very good player. Yeah. He's not getting the ball in positions where he, he can he can do any danger. No, he's not getting it, and. He, you know, the two guys that you said there, De Leon and, and Azorio, who are essentially, the, I know Azorio doesn't play wide, but he is on the left-hand side, getting 30 touches, it's, it's not enough. No not idea. getting the ball into them enough. And uh, Pozuelo was either too high or too deep. And that's a big problem for me because although he has created some goals from coming really deep and the, the first goal for Jose Altidore and, on his debut against New York City was when he came deep, but... I don't want to see him there. I want to see him between the lines, working in areas where he gives defenders a problem, gives midfielders a problem, and he wasn't there enough today. He couldn't get enough ball, and so then he has to go and roam and find the ball to try and create. Um, Craig Vanny spoke to us before the game about the need to move the ball quickly, move it from side to side with pace, and don't pass for the sake of passing. And then after the game, he said in his press conference the same thing. Yeah. So that to me, 
you know, tells me that Greg Vanny doesn't have the pieces, the players to play the way that he wants. Because if he's telling us that, he's telling the players that. And if he's telling the players that, you have to ask why it didn't happen then. And it probably didn't happen because they just don't actually have the quality no. to do that. So they need reinforcements and they need them quick. And I, I get that Bill Manning and Ali Curtis and Greg Vanny are very tight and very connected. And, you know, he's never going to come out and, and call out his president or his general manager. But I would like to see a more aggressive Greg Vanny in his press conference. I'd like to see somebody saying, you know, we know we need players. We're going to find players and nobody panic. This is going to be fine. We're going to find the right pieces. So... He's not done that, KJ. No. Either they're struggling to find the right pieces or they think things are a bit rosier than what they are. Yeah, potentially. And like I always say, <clears throat> you've got to recruit. So you've got to evaluate your talent better than anybody else. And it looked like Portland knew a little bit more about yeah. what you're going to do today than than, than yourself. Yeah. And that's that's alarming. Yeah. And I think they need to go figure it out. And give give Greg credit in a way that he didn't go out there and call out his employee in front of everyone. Yeah. Somebody else did that last week. It didn't necessarily work out well for him, <laughs> although he got his own way. Yeah. Um, uh, so maybe Greg Vanny should have. But um, yeah. um, they didn't probably didn't want to meet him on Monday with a big hug at the end of it. So. <laughs> um, but yeah. I do, I look, for me, that is a pure example. 90 minutes, not a good enough performance and a clear example that the recruitment has been better has to be better and i think maybe this is a bit too far but i think they've let him down a little bit yeah they have i really do i think they've let him down i think that when you think about last year the end of the season with hansen no matter what you think of him i know you and i were a big fan yeah but he was an attacking threat vasquez and javinko all gone replaced by one player yeah and that player deserves more he does. he does. He deserves more to get better, so he doesn't get frustrated. The time in the 86th minute where he picks up the ball on the half turn, turns around, sprays the ball to Jay Chapman, yeah. and then just puts his hands like he just he, he got to him. The body language was getting to him as well. Yeah, it so was. It's time. Quickly. It's time. It's time to get the guy some support because he can't keep up this form. He can't. He can't keep scoring and assisting in, in every single game. He needs some support. They need some other threats to stretch a team as well you know Chara just understood that as long as he was next to Pozuelo every time TFC got the ball most of the attack was going to be negated and, and that can't be the fact you need to have three, four, five guys that can really cause damage well he ran the, the game between yeah. the lines because if Pozuelo went high and to try and step on the centre back Chara just went thank you very much I'll just stop operating the space behind you and yeah. Bradley went high to match Chara yeah. Valeri just went behind him and oh thank you very much I'll yeah. just operate here and then the centre-backs can't continue to come up high because it makes it too easy. So the whole playing through the lines was just too easy for Paul. And that's a, that that could be a, a technical problem, but it could also be a system problem, yeah, a shape problem. I agree. I think TFC still get very much caught in between when it comes to the tactics, KJ. I think that they were too deep today a lot of times. I think they need to try and squeeze the play a little bit more. They're, they're, they're trying to stop conceding goals by getting everyone behind the ball and, and denying the spaces, but you're just uh, relinquishing possession and allowing a team just to keep coming on to you. And uh, when you have a team like Portland with the quality of Blanco and, and uh, Valeri and the passing ability of Chara and Paredes, you start to see just the, the sort of wave after wave of attack from a team coming on. I couldn't believe the, the possession starts at half-time. I think TFC at 54% and 46 I don't know who was working that. I, I I can't actually believe that because my eyes were telling me 
that it was something completely different from that. Well, it was something different from that from an attacking point of view. I referred to it in my interview with Greg Van. Yeah. I actually quoted the the the, uh, the amount of passing stats that happened in the final third, and Portland had yeah, like eighty six yeah. to, to his 60 to his sixty or something. Or something. Yeah. So that was very, I thought, an indictment on the on the game. I'm just trying to pull up the passing stats quickly before we move on as well on this one. I think even though they had obviously more possession, they're, they're right here in the end. Um, Portland had 44% possession. TFC had 56% possession. Yeah. But in the attacking third, listen to this, 111 of 165 for TFC. Portland, 123 of 147. Right. So yeah. that tells you everything. Really. Yeah. You know, chances created nine to four. You know, so it was just breaking down every time, wasn't it? There was no, it, it looked like a bunch of guys that never played together. Yeah, there was just, you know, I'm thinking the one on the far side that went into Azorio's chest, and Morrow made his traditional run down the line, and Azorio tried to lay it back to him, and you know, gave away possession. There was like five, six, seven, ten examples of that, wasn't there? It yeah. just kept happening, breaking down. And quickly, before we go on, I'm going to ask you this. Chris Mavinga said to me after the game that they're allowing too many crosses yeah. into the box. Now, they they allowed the goal with the yeah. cross. Last week, Rodriguez, Minnesota, yep. cross. New England, cross, yep. goal as well. This is becoming a problem. Far too many crosses are coming into the box. That's a big problem. That tells you that the shape's off a little bit if the crosses are coming in. Teams know, put it into the box. Mavinga must have headed or cleared 10, 15. He was excellent, yeah. He was excellent. So... And obviously, Bobby got between them for the, the goal, brilliant balling from Blanco. If you're clearing that many, we always used to say at Sunderland, I think it was somewhere like 17 or 18 passes, uh, crosses into the box, averages two goals. So right. you, you try and get the ball into the box, you know, and, and uh, varying levels of quality means you're going to get, you know, a few goals. And, and they defended it exceptionally well. But if you keep allowing a team to cross it in, they're going to score eventually. You're going to get burnt. And obviously did that. What a ball from Blanco. But it was coming, wasn't it? And I, I think I said five minutes before, what a great game to win. Just dig in and, and find a way of winning this game. And I actually, I didn't know that Portland had the the quality to win it at that point. I thought that they were they would be happy with a point. But lo and behold, it was them that, that dug in enough and, and found the victory. 24 crosses. That's not Portland. good enough. 24 crosses. That is not good enough. And the previous game, um, Minnesota, 16 mm. crosses. The Toronto FC, six yeah. in that game. So this is becoming a, a, a And problem. wide areas is a, a problem. A, Seattle, Div 20 crosses yeah. in the previous game. So wide areas is a problem because we, we highlighted it offensively from an attacking point of view. And defensively, it's obviously an issue. Teams are exploiting them in wide areas and, and throwing it into the box. And uh, Blanco put a few in from the with his right foot swinging in where they should have did better. And lo and behold, it was a left foot one that, that was the winning goal. He was excellent, wasn't he? Best Brilliant. Best Very player good player. Um, okay, Shawnee, over to you for our headlines of the week. We talked about it a little bit early off the top. Uh, the Canadian Premier League kicked off with a 1-1 draw between Forge and York 9. Uh, obviously, you guys were in transit from TSN Studios to called the TFC game? Sort of a little bit of it. Yeah. We <laughs> Saw were. some highlights. Yeah. Was there any highlights for you guys that you guys want to sort of touch on? Uh, first of all, we we uh, we ran out the studio straight away after our Premier League and, well, you and I walked. <laughs> Luke Walman ran. ran. He was panicking, wasn't he? Yeah. To be honest, he was panicking. Well, he likes to get here a good yeah. four hours early, doesn't him. he? 
Yeah, minimum. <laughs> oh, you did? I beat him. Yeah. He How always leaves the studio like 10 minutes before me. And I'm like in the parking lot watching like the game on my phone when he shows up. I don't know where he goes. I mean, he needs to get a better like sat nav app or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, I beat him, which I thought was funny. Uh, but yeah, we watched it when we got here. First thing I wanted to see was the... Um, the atmosphere, yeah. the crowd, how it looked on television, looked the sunny day, cold, but sunny. It looked good. It looked like an event. Yeah. And I think that's the first thing that needed to tick the box right away. And obviously they did a good job in advertising it and getting people in the seats at different different avenues to do that. But yeah. I think that was almost as important of what the quality was on the field. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it, it had to look good. It was smart move from the CPL to, to allow people in to experience this and, and try and create fans alongside the avid ones that they already have and it looked fantastic 17,000 people inside Tim Horton's field it was uh, it was an occasion that's for sure and an early goal helped you know it was uh, billed as, as they're hoping a big rivalry coming up and for them to get that early goal ironically a TFC player who's on loan at York 9 and, and Ryan Telfer a big moment a moment that he'll never forget is it and I think again this is about building you know we weren't expecting crazy levels of quality in the first game what we were hoping for was an experience and something that people will remember the kids that were there will will ask their mum and dads can we go back next week can we can we watch this again because it's a it's a, a an experience that they want to uh, have over and yeah. over yeah exactly you know it brings credibility to canadian soccer i think that's short as shawnee said and i think you know I think this is what Major League Soccer needs, to be frank. Yeah. You know, I think that's what TFC needs. And I know there's, there's, there's social media doesn't bring the best out of human beings. And there's this whole process of people, some people on social media who are fighting what I would say the good fight. I would try and put it to a positive spin. We're not getting enough publicity. We, why are you guys doing this? Not talking about this. Look, we're all in the same. Yeah. We're all in it. Same we all want the same thing. Don't and if we? people are passionate enough to talk about it on social media, that's good. You know, just, just, I would advise just put everyone put their energy into being positive yeah. going forward. And, and that's, that's the main thing. And look, you know, the, not every game is going to look like that. And not every game is going to have as many eyeballs on that. And that's okay. That's yeah. okay going forward. Yeah, it is because, well, not every game in MLS just looks that good or is that so good in quality. Yeah. And and you could say that for every league at their own level, you know, it's, that's, that's what happens. Some games are a grind and some games become uh, difficult. But it There's was, been a it, few MLS 3 games this last, <laughs> last week. <laughs> oh, we're going to MLS 3 now, are we? Come on. <laughs> yeah, there certainly is. We, I've yeah. called a few. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I just wanted it to be a great occasion. It looked like that. It was disappointing we couldn't be there, but obviously because of the schedule, that was impossible. And uh, looking forward to seeing how it grows and how it develops and you know can the, can the quality in the field get a little bit it's inevitably going to get better because I see the quality on a daily basis in the grassroots game from U8s all the way up to, to U21s and you can see it getting better and better so that will naturally spill onto the field and, and this league fingers crossed is here to stay let's everybody get behind it yep. let's all be positive about uh, the, the, the game and the way it's growing here and, and Sean knows this better than us we've been in it for, for such a long time but it's there's exciting times ahead I can feel it talking about MLS 3 uh, New, <laughs> the New England Revolution uh, lost 3-0 to the Montreal Impact on the uh, midweek uh, how impressed were you by the Impact performance or was it more New England and then how important is Sam Piet to this team uh, I thought Montreal were very good. 
And it has to be said, for those who don't know the story, they had a disaster of a travel. Yeah. You can actually get on a coach and like drive there in six hours, but they didn't. <laughs> and they, there's a reason why they didn't do that because, you know, you should be flying. Yeah. But they didn't get to fly. They had a massive problem with it. Then they ended up getting a charter. Uh, Evan Bush came out with some very public comments, which I thought he was very, very good at. I thought he, he, he was very insightful and eloquent in the way that he delivered the message. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Lovitz came out yesterday with some very eloquent messages as well about how he felt that they are sometimes not given the quality of respect that they deserve across the league, which I thought once again was very yeah. fair. And, you know, when we're in the media, we encourage those kind of comments. Yeah. This, that's needed to go forward. Uh, why do we bring that up? Because in the end, they didn't allow that performance to affect them. And Remy Gard said to them when he got them to the stadium, forget this, this is a freebie now, go out there and do whatever you want. And they delivered. And I I think that they are they are very comfortable without the ball and they need to get better at that. Yeah, Keep working on that. And when you get Piatti back and when you can get Aruti going and Jackson ML showed ability to score two goals, that is how you, that is going to be your formula for, for success. Yeah, Because we've just been talking about one team here. There's a lot of teams who can't defend in this league who concede far too many goals and they don't need to be one of them. Diallo and Cabrera, when they're on and switched on and their mindset's right, can be one of the two best centre-back partnerships in, in Major League Soccer for me. Fullbacks defend first. They think yeah. about that. They're, they're, there's a lot to like about this team and they've had eight out of the first nine games away from home so that mindset has helped them in a way sometimes you're going to have bad games like Philadelphia yeah. or Sporting Kansas City and when you go behind I think it becomes a real big mountain to climb Yeah. Uh, but to Shawnee's point I like them in that mindset Piet delivers that mindset yeah. from the start and um, in, a, in an Eastern Conference which is there for the taking yeah. why not Montreal? Yeah why not Montreal? They, they have many great attributes I think that uh, there's an interesting thing with the travel and that here. I, I think this team's better when they have a, a cause. I think they like playing with that chip on their shoulder and, and, and someone to kind of rally behind, you know, to, to be stirred up. So if I'm Remy Gard, I'm thinking about how I can keep stirring up these guys and yeah. and getting them going because um, that's always been the thing about Montreal. They've, they've, they've always felt like they've got someone to prove the best Montreal teams that we've seen, KJ and MLS. And, and this team have the potential to, to be up there with the teams. Diallo's a wonderful defender. Cabrera's been there a while. That partnership was was excellent in New England. Looks like it's got a lot of development. Two pretty, or three solid fullbacks, and Lovitz on the left seems to have that role locked down. Brogiard and Sanya, I think, will battle it out because, you know, you've got youth, you've got the experience, and, and Brogiard's game should develop really quickly under the tutelage of Bakari Sanya. Uh, Piet's excellent in there. Tider's out of injury. Uh, Piatti's out of injury, but they're going to come back. Many things to like. Aruti's work rate was, was incredible. If they can just share the goals, he's never going to be a prolific goal scorer, but share the goals with the white guys. Many things to like. Don't be afraid of embracing what you're good at. You're good at defending. You're good on the counter-attack. There's no disgrace in that. No, nope. you can win MLS Cup playing like that, KJ, and you can come through an Eastern Conference that's that's vulnerable, and you can be the upstarts. You can be the sort of the 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 anti TFC DCs, Columbus Crews, who are yeah, they're pretty, they're nice to watch when they're good, they're really good, but they're inconsistent. Montreal can come, become a consistently good defensive side and a team that nobody wants to play and that are very hard to beat. Moving on to Champions League, uh, you guys talked about Suarez's interview earlier in the episode. Uh, he plans to celebrate if he scores against Liverpool in the Champions League this week. Uh, your thoughts on the whole 
celebrating against your former team. Yeah. And Stevie, out of your 14 goals, did you ever score against a former team? <laughs> did I get 14? You got I 14. I believe that. <laughs> I can only remember about two of them. 14? That's good, eh? For a centre half. That was standing. Uh, 18 years is like less than one a year. That's still not bad. <laughs> I'll take it. A few yeah. important ones. Right, I need to go first to this one because do, I, I cannot can abide people that don't celebrate goals. And I'm, I'm delighted and I'm not surprised for a second that Suarez is going to celebrate because he's an out-and-out winner. If you're a winner, you celebrate a goal against anybody. You could be playing your, your family team. I don't care. You celebrate. You're playing for that side. And so... I'm, I'm happy about that. I've always had the problem with people not celebrating goals. I think it's disrespectful to the game of football. Um, and what was the other one about me? I'm still. Did you score against a former goals. team? Um, <laughs> no, I don't think I did, Sean. Oh, it's disappointing. I don't think I did. We could have got his game. We could have got his goals list. We wouldn't have taken long. Got 14. We can get his well, opponents. I scored. Um, I scored my, my first start for Newcastle. Okay. in the League Cup against Bradford who were actually my former team there you go I was on loan at Bradford right now I'm thinking was it before that goal I've had her too many balls so my memory's not what it used to be but I'm thinking was it before or after I was at Bradford but anyway it was a crazy game KJ 3-0 up cruising 3-3 I'm playing defence so I'm like oh everything's my fault what have I done <laughs> corner kick comes in volley, volley drops bang in the bottom corner nice first goal Nice. Delighted, and then I got another goal for uh, for Sunderland against Leicester that they got his promotion in 0405. That was a big goal. Nice. That was I was telling everybody that was the, the thirty million pound goal. I think it would be, it would be a hundred million pound goal now. But the fact, time it was, was said today uh, <laughs> when um, Aston Villa player Scott Hogan scored for Sheffield United that the goal will be worth over one hundred million pounds. Is that right? And I was thinking, yeah, Villa spent fifteen million on you to <laughs> score that goal for Villa. <laughs> Uh, but you didn't. You scored it for somebody else. Um, uh, I'm with you. I have uh, very little time for the uh, whole hand in the air business when they've scored a yeah, goal and an apology. Sorry, yeah. sorry, nonsense. Like at the end of the day, like you have a duty to that shirt and those fans are in that stadium to get involved with it. I don't need you to run around and take your shirts off no. like, like Ryan Giggs running around at Villa Park. <laughs> but you know, just 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 show that it, that you that you it means something. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a a great emotion to, to allow that to happen. So please just just do that. I'm, I don't I, I don't like that otherwise. So no, it's great to see that Suarez has said that and come out and done it already. And I wouldn't bet on him not scoring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Liverpool I think that was on, in preparation fire for when right he now. scores. He's some player, some isn't player. he? Yeah. Moving on to the other side of the bracket, Mauricio Pochettino says it's unfair that Ajax were given the weekend off to focus on the Champions League. Uh, where Spurs had to play this weekend and lost. Uh, do you say, do they play? Do you agree that it's unfair or is this just tough luck? Well, it's about your federation doing the right thing and looking after your team because you're proud of where they are in the Champions League. And um, I'm okay with it. I think it's uh, it's up to the Dutch federation or the FA or whoever it may be to, to make that decision. And so uh, to KJ's point, it looked like, Spurs had the weekend off as well because they were playing in first gear. They weren't even in second gear today. That was a, a pretty abject performance from them. And uh, I just think it's about the mental side. I mean, I have so much energy. I'm pretty sure they could have played the game and been ready for the midweek yeah. game anyway. Look, if you play in a league where you're 
making tons and tons of millions of pounds and TV deals require you to play. Yeah. You get to play. If you don't, then you can get, take as many advantages as you can. So uh, do I get a huge advantage of playing the week with the week off, as Pochettino said? Yep, but Tottenham <laughs> have a lot of advantages as well. Yeah. So above you know, Ajax, yeah, they? above yeah. Ajax. So hmm. I don't think he meant it in a negative way. It's not the way he is, but um, every credit that they did it, I don't think it's unfair, and I don't think anyone should have stepped in and stopped him. Fair enough. Uh, Inter Milan has shown interest in signing Alexis Sanchez, but with the condition of obviously lowering his wages. What comes first, <laughs> Sanchez accepting lower wages or United eating his outrageous wages? Uh, United eating his outrageous <laughs> wages. Yeah. Um, because uh, he is, he was placed, I think, on the field by Solskjaer in midweek for about nine minutes. I think he touched the ball yeah. once. It cost Manchester United £75,000. <laughs> £75,000 touch because that's how much he gets paid per oh. appearance on top of £400,000 per week. Yeah. It is without question one of the most disgraceful football contracts in the history of the sports. <laughs> and Man United, if you don't learn from it, if Inter Milan are willing to take on whatever you can to get this guy off your books, yeah, then he's going to it's either that or you yeah. just got to get him fit and motivated I don't know what, what how it's going to happen uh, he's not going to get fit and motivated at this point can he play in another league potentially he might go there and score some goals but to me he's he's done at the top level English football he's he's checked out and it's it brings real disappointment this guy's one of my favourite players in the last 10 years KJ that yeah we saw him play live. We both saw him at Rogers Centre for Chile against Brazil. And he's put in so many memorable performances. And he's went there and he's just down tools. He's just stopped trying, really. And, and that's what it looks like. And it's sad. It's sad to see from a player that I had a great deal of respect for. And let me tell you, he's not going to take a pound less in his wages. So they're going to have to pay him up or pay as much up as, as Inter Milan are willing to play to make sure he's on that same wage. Is there uh, any way back for him? No, I don't think so. You don't think? I, I think don't there might think be so. a, a little bit of a wait. I don't think so. Only because I, I think hoping and thinking. Fatigue has played a major factor in this. He played more well, games. He's been tired for 18 months. No, I know. He played you more know, games like, before he signed for United than, than, than almost anybody no, I know. in four years. Never had a summer off. Copa America's World Cups, World Cup qualifiers. These are not excuses. These are just facts. Um, and a team that is so devoid of quality is there a way of building the attack around him as a number nine? Yeah. These are all, I think, very slim chances. But if it comes down to the fact that you don't, you can't offload him, there's got to be a, a, maybe a chance. I yeah. Don't know. I just see a change in his mentality. Right. That's what scares me. Yeah. Yeah. A we knew. Red flag if that's the case. Yeah. We knew that he was going to have that, um, that fatigue was going to set in. He had played an enormous number of games for year after year and it was going to come but that was 18 months ago you know it's time for this guy to actually show us that he, he, he genuinely cares he's lost a yard he's lost parts of his game it's happened to the best players you know Rio Ferdinand's best 1v1 defender in the world he lost some pace he changed his game he still had three or four years of twilight his career where he was a different defender but it's still exceptional this guy needs to work that out if that's the case change his game a little bit but still show us that determination that effort that we, we saw for such a long time in the Chile shirt Barcelona shirt Arsenal shirt um, I want to see that from him and maybe he needs a change of scenery maybe Inter Milan will provide that but I just don't see him having any way back at Manchester United Sanchez's former team, Barcelona, clinched their eighth title in 11 seasons. How impressive is the dominance of Barcelona? And is this something we'll ever see again? 
I think it's absolutely remarkable considering that this is not, I mean, I don't look at them the way I look at Bayern Munich and PSG. I look at them as a team that has gone head to head with like a European Cup dominant era for Real Madrid winning four out of five. And you think about what Barcelona have able to accomplish with different managers. When you think of what Valverde's done there now, and, and you know, prior to that, it wasn't, you know, always the case as, as wasn't always him. So I think that's, needs to be recognized obviously Messi has has yeah. been the one consistent throughout the whole thing Stevie but they are incredible I think it's the 26th title now just seven behind Madrid um and Messi's 10th so he's been involved in 40 percent of Barcelona's <laughs> league titles which is uh, oh. genuinely remarkable in history yeah remarkable and and um I've enjoyed watching them this year, KJ, because they, they go about it in a little bit of a different way, don't they? They've become tougher with Valverde. And I, th- I think that's um, that's interesting to see how that team's evolved. Of course, still have amazing moments of football, mate. When Messi's there, it's always going to be like that, Suarez. But I, I look at the character of their players and uh, young and old and being there a decade or being there a season and I just see the same values and culture come out and they guys the good ones the good signings the yeah. ones that hang around they get there and they understand what it takes to be at that level the, the, the PKs as an example and Longley's slipped in there and he looks like he could be a Barcelona player for years to come defender, yeah. yeah and then you look at Rakitic the way he settled into life there and you've got Artur that's come in and, and again he seems like okay I'm going to hang by this guy Rakitic because he's going to show me Sergio Busquets Go on and on, uh, uh, Suarez and, and Messi up top, and you've got Dembele and Malcolm. Understanding what it a what it takes to play for Barcelona and to be at that level every single day, every single game is remarkable. The consistency from these guys, young and old, is exceptional. And I'm not certain how long Valverde is going to stay there, but I think he's had a wonderful spell as manager of the club. And um, I'll be shocked that even when he leaves, if that success dissipates because it's just built into the core of that club now. Norwich sealed their promotion in the Premier League next season. It's very, very early. Obviously they just clinched today. Um, but how do you what do you expect from this club next season? Uh, I don't know what to expect to be honest. They've, they've never really been big spenders. So I think history tells us you need to spend pretty big to be to be comfortable in the Premier League. Can they stay up? Yes, of course, but it's going to be very difficult unless you spend. And um, I've not seen a ton of them, Shawnee. So it'd be hard for me to be to be really um, precise on their tactics and the way that they play. I know uh, Timo Pukki's been been brilliant up top. Yes, yeah. Lad who spent some time at Celtic never really worked out. He's just scored goals galore. They have an energy. They have a a, a successful way of playing in the championship. I've been there. I've played with teams with that that same kind of successful style. It doesn't translate to the Premier League. It's more of a, 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 a rhythmic league. The pace goes really slow and then it goes really quick. Championships like high octane, it goes at that pace all the time. Norwich play that, that game very well. They're going to have to learn quickly and, and, and vary that pace if they're going to get success in the Premier League. Yeah, and this is 
you know, a number of times this Norwich have come up and then failed and they've been that yo-yo club. This yeah. is a little bit different. Obviously, Falk is in charge in the German and he's instilled something that they're very admirable and they think they can be long-term sustainability. So we'll have to find out. But um, yeah, every credit, that championship is not an easy championship to win. And mostly over the last few years teams that have won it you genuinely have a very good job of staying up even yeah. though what you say is they find it very difficult um but i do think that there isn't that much gap between the quality of yeah. teams that end up staying in the premier league compared to the ones who, who come up we saw last season for example not this season but last season all three teams come up and stay yeah you know so there is ways to do that um you know so so we'll see but uh yeah, I mean Sheffield United are another one. They they play really good football. They keep it down. Um, they've got a good style. What yeah. Wilder's brought, but you know how that will work in They're the Premier League. They're not going to spend money, are they? No. You know that's the key, and um, it's going to be hard if you're not going to spend. Yeah. We saw Wolves come up and spend, oh, yeah. however much, fifty, yeah. sixty million. Intelligently spend it. Too. Yeah, great signings and 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 transition a little bit for that success of the Championship. I don't even know if these two guys can do that. Uh, last uh, headline before we move on. Paul Pogba was named to the PFA Best 11 of the Year. Uh, how ridiculous was this decision? I didn't find it overly ridiculous. I don't, I mean, I don't really have too much outrage in these nonsense awards anyway. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, in the end, the awards are deeply flawed. They are incorrectly placed at the wrong time where players are voting for these players at a time of the season, which happened to coincide with Pogba's best part yeah. of the season when, you know, Ollie was at the wheel and they was driving to the honeymoon suite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and since, since then, the, it, you know, it's got a bit rocky relationship. Well, I need to interrupt you, mate. <laughs> I saw a classic Ollie one today. You? you remember the scene in uh, Austin Powers where he's trying to do the three-point yeah, yeah, turn, yeah. but yeah. it's got his face at the <laughs> wheel the and it's in Austin Powers' body. I was in stitches. I'll need to show you after this. We have, uh, we have these uh, things that we keep texting ourselves <laughs> we, have, we find ourselves in stitches a lot of these things with with these images but um no I, I wasn't overly outraged look what should you know has he had a better season than david silver Jorginho vinaldo yeah. many others mutinho i don't think so but yeah. i mean at the end of the day you tell me you voted for this many times a player votes for an award comes down has to tick a few boxes does he not to name yeah. that I mean do they overly think it do they think much harder well you get it? some stupid things going I was always pretty honest but you'll get you know a, a silly Scottish guy who wants to write 11 Scottish players and you know the the French lads were always ones that did that and you know you'll get the, the bitterness between Man U players will never vote Liverpool players and this kind of thing so I I don't really like that and I think generally everyone votes pretty honestly I know I, I certainly did but uh, the only thing I can say is that, that players assess players better than anybody else. So this guy's clearly a, a wonderful player and everyone that plays against him must have real challenges against yeah. his talent, his power, his his ability. And and so um, us as, as analysts, we can see that he clearly shouldn't have been in team of the year. Right. But playing against them twice a year, most people probably think, my gosh, this guy's got absolutely everything to be exceptional. And that's why I can see he probably got in the team. Uh, speaking of Premier League best 11s, make sure you send yours in for a chance to win KJ and Caldwell merch. Uh, this week, uh, the best one comes from Matt B. Um, he has Allison and Nett, uh, Robertson, Virgil van Dijk, Laporte, Alexander-Arnold in the back. 
uh, Bernardo Silva, Erickson, and Conte in the mid, and then Mane, Hazard, and Sterling. Thoughts, guys? Not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. It's balanced. I like the back four. Goalkeeper, questionable, you know, each to your own preference. Alison Edison, <laughs> David De Gea, whatever. I'm not going to slam anyone for picking yeah. those guys. Uh, Bernardo Silva, anybody who picks him in the team is good with me. Kante and Eriksson, well, okay. I mean, that's your preference. But And then Mane, Hazard and Sterling. No Aguero, I don't know. But it's not bad. It's yeah. not a bad one. We've, yeah. had, we've had worse, mate. Almost yeah, we've worse. had worse. It's not a bad team. There's a bit of effort went into that. Yeah, and by the way, the PFA team of the year got criticized for having Pogba in it, but at least it didn't go all MLS. Yeah, And yeah. just stick like six strikers in there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a good so balance. I, I almost felt it, like sending out a tweet and saying, MLS, CC, watch this, that, you know? Because like MLS has like, they have like Piatti playing left. Well, they have to get Zlatan and Rooney and these guys in right for the start because you know they're going to be honestly, in Honestly, I want to try and find it. MLS at best 11 last year was a joke. And it's a joke every year. <laughs> like, I mean, no one will ever say, they always say no one will, they're never going to play, lads. I get that, but. That's what's the point of doing it then? I will bet you on April twenty sixth that Zlatan, Go Rooney, and Vela are in MLS Team of the Year. A hundred percent. So they're in it already. Right. So who else? Like you know, you know, it's like you know, <laughs> you know, it's going to be. They, they, they have to get their stars in to keep building it up and, and making why? them. Because I vote that's for this thing. Do I don't it. think they even care. I don't think they actually look at my vote. <laughs> <laughs> I voted for Edouard Atuesta last year. Brilliant. Yeah, what a player, by the way. No, Best some midfielder player. in MLS right now for me. I don't know about you. Oof, if I was a scout in England, I would be. He would be on my radar. He's he's got youth on his side, and he just gets better every week. Big fan. I found it. So um, just listen to this for a best eleven. You ready? Goalkeeper Zach Steffen. Yeah. Defenders Chad Marshall. Aaron Long, Kim Lawrence, and it stops there. <laughs> Midfielders, Carlos Vela, Ignacio Piatti, Miguel Almiron, and Luciano Acosta. <laughs> That's and a solid midfield. Wayne Rooney, Joseph Martinez, and Zlatan. <sighs> so you've got Zlatan, Joseph Martinez, and Wayne Rooney, all playing number nine. <laughs> then you've got Luciano Acosta as a 10. Miguel Almiron as a 10. Uh, Piatti on the left. <laughs> Bella on the right. You know, like, come on. Bella and Piatti is wingbacks. They're taking the mick. They're not coming back much. They're too early. They're taking the mick, aren't yeah. they? You know what? Like, yeah. people say, oh, yeah, well, that'd be a good team. I, I, honestly, it would be a rubbish team. Yeah. You know, you could, like, we could put together another 11 players and we'd beat them. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Yeah. But isn't it a shame on the defenders? You know, there's yeah. only three places for defenders and... No, never get picked any fullbacks either. Yeah, no. Can't put a fullback on. You need Piatti to play there. <laughs> and there's no real um, shape to the back four. And I feel for the defenders, you know, the, the, the good right backs and left backs within the league because they're not... They're no chance to get in the chance. team, really. Yeah, because you're not called Latan. <laughs> Moving on to Ask AFP. Uh, we got a couple before we head out of here. Uh, Ian asks, who would each of you put in the top five of best free kick takers of all time? Oh, wow, Janino Leon. Yes, he's best, one of my favorites. Best ever, mate. I think he was incredible. Do you? Uh, best ever? Yeah, I would say so, KJ. I would say so. He too. was unbelievable. Remember that one he scored for the wide area against Barcelona? Oh, it was incredible. That was incredible. I'm with you. Um, Who else? Uh, Nakamura was pretty consistent for Celtic for a while. I don't know, best of all time. But he was, yeah, he was good, wasn't he? He was. Unreal. He could score them all, curlers Unreal. and long rangers. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the best ones for me. Yeah. Um, I think people would go with Beckham, I guess. Beckham was pretty good. For yeah, he was good. When he, 
Uh, Baggio? Haji, Baggi, Baggio yeah. and Haji. Yeah. Two of the best. Haji was amazing, What's wasn't it? What's a player? Um, and we, uh, Roberto Carlos. Yeah. I mean, he had a, yeah. He had that, he had that one. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I mean, Javinko was. Javinko was up there. Up there. Like, He's very good. You know, I think we have a guy that goes two or three seasons or four seasons where he's yeah he's he, he, you feel like it's almost like a penalty every time he's got a free kick Messi. 25 yards and in yeah Messi I was yeah. at the new Camp once I saw Messi score a free kick goal so what, who was the goalkeeper again I think he was a Brazilian he played in South American football he used to come up left footer yeah Chilavert was it no he come he, up for the back Chilavert no. wasn't Brazilian but was it not was it him Maybe it was him. Maybe it's him. Rougie, he'd come like up for a bike. <laughs> he was amazing, yeah, wasn't he? He was, yeah. 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 Crazy. Hopefully that answers your question, man. Thank <laughs> you. It was a good one. Uh Jamie asks, uh, who your guy's favorite uh Monty Python is and uh, which sketch is your favorite? Oh. Never seen it. KG's not a big Monty Python fan, but no. I uh, I love I, Life of I Brian. I like my comedies, but that yeah. was never one that I really it never really touched my radar. I've seen it, but it's never really Life happened. of Brian's brilliant, mate. I love it. Uh, my favourite character, maybe John Cleese's character. He's brilliant at it. It's so funny. There's some amazing scenes in that movie. Just reminded me of Forty Towers there with the Cleese reference. <laughs> yeah, that was another very good comedy, wasn't it? <laughs> Great comedy. Uh, Matt asks, uh, with the season coming to an end, the race in European qualifications is coming down to the wire. Teams like Getafe, Frankfurt and Atalanta are in contention for Champions League football. Uh, you guys' thoughts on uh, which race is the best? Well, first of all, it's great that they're all in the race because I don't know if you saw this on Friday with Agnelli from Juventus proposing this big Super League coming up where protecting yeah. all the giants of the game again and putting them in every year. And boring. Been, oh, just, I mean, by the way, Juventus needs to get a bit of excitement because it's boring every yeah. year for them. So I can kind of see where his interests lie <laughs> yeah. a little bit. That's why he's pushing for it, isn't he? Probably. It? Yeah. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons, but... Uh, or like let's hope that never goes there you know let's, we do not want that do we let's, no no you know we don't no. want any of that teams so. should be playing in their domestic league and then you know we've got the perfect scenario just now don't we with yeah. the champions league you know i mean atalanta they're, they're sixth at the moment but they're such a fun team to watch yeah. uh you and i watched eintracht frankfurt a couple of weeks ago excellent um they knocked out benfica yeah in that european yeah. europa league uh quarterfinal they play this week in the semi-final um, and they were a real fun team to watch. There's a lot of players to like on that on their team. Um, and right now they sit fourth in the Bundesliga ahead of Mönchengladbach and Bayer Leverkusen. A Bundesliga, by the way, that looks like it's going to be Bayern Munich after Dortmund choked and threw away a derby win today against Schalke, which was a disaster yeah. uh, for them. A couple um, of men sent off, I think. Yeah, so Eintracht, Eintracht Frankfurt, that would be kind of nice to see them. Um, but they do have Chelsea, so that can't, might keep them busy, but... Um, they've got something, some a lot to like about them, and they've just got Jovic, I guess, full time now. Yeah, so that was yeah. Uh, that was good to see for them. So some, yeah, some great races. yeah, there's some good little races. We obviously have our own exciting race in the Premier League as well, but it's it keeps things interesting, doesn't it? And it's it's a big thing for these clubs, well, for everybody. Champions League football, it's the the windfall that you get, and to be able to put put yourself against that quality, like the Barcelonas and the the Man Cities of the world, is is very important and it helps on the recruitment come the summer Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Evan asks, if the current situation at Bolton and Coventry and the past issues at clubs such as Blackpool and others, should the FA and the EFL do more to ensure clubs are run properly? Well, they're trying, aren't they? You yeah. know, they, they, they really try. I, I, I'm not certain what else they could do. Oh, maybe more 
restrictions or legislation. I, I don't know, KJ. It's, I mean, it's tough, got, isn't it? If you've got a wild owner who just yeah. starts digging in and not paying his players and the staff. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, maybe you need to do better checks. But at the end of the day, like these guys were, they were decent at the start. Yeah. And okay, he's a, he's a complete buffoon. But like, it's it's so sad to see, mm -hmm. you know, and Bolton players not even wanting to play. Yeah. You know, I know they got relegated already, but it is a concern because look, the money is all funneled to the top and they've got to figure this out. And the championship, as we know, even in lower leagues, there's so much discrepancies between teams yeah. spending an incredible amount of money and others not. And Bolton are one of the great teams of English football, founded members of it, spent many years in the Premier League. It's sad to see. Yeah, it's sad to see. We we never want anyone to, to you know, liquidate or, or go out of existence. And and it's, um, it's disappointing when you see these historic clubs, even if Bolton survive and they get a new owner, they're, they're probably going to drop down so far that we might never see them again. It's, it's happened with some of the biggest clubs. Coventry are a great example of that, where you know I competed against Coventry at the top of the championship and they were a Premier League team for a number of years and some great players played for them and, and now they just languish in the lower leagues and never really came back for that, that um, you know, that, that when the, the money went and they, and they didn't have anywhere to go. So, we don't want to see it, but I just don't know what the FA can do, Sean. It's it's a difficult one to actually make a guy pay his bills. It's it's hard. Fair enough. Uh, Matt T asks, uh, with Lukaku falling out of favour at United, do you see a future with him there? And what top clubs would uh, sign him in the summer? Is Everton a realistic move? I don't know if it is. Um, I, I think Lukaku said something this week where he had a dream of playing in Serie A. I don't know if that's a dream of Man United fans now to see <laughs> Lukaku play in Serie A. What do you reckon, mate? But it yeah. looks like it's coming to an end. And this is a player that United, unlike Sanchez or others, would have no problem um, getting rid of. Yeah. And um, getting a considerable amount of money. I don't think they'll get £75 million. Pounds, yeah. Um, but if you can offload him, which I think is the right thing to do, then that's the start of the rebuilding process. Not to say rebuilding, but uh, moving on to in terms of shifting the identity. So I don't think Everton would be a good match only because he's been there before. I'm never a big fan of reuniting. And I think it's been that ship sailed. And I think Everton need to think about, quite frankly, a different kind of striker than that. Everton are a different club from when he was there before. They're, they're really trying to break that that gap to the top six and, and for them, hopefully, Champions League football. And I don't think Lukaku fits into the, the tactics of Marco Silva, the manager. I don't think he's dynamic enough. He wants, you know, the four-two-three-one with um, a very fluid number nine who can run the channels and do more than just score goals. And unfortunately, he does this very well, but he only scores goals, Lukaku. Can't hold the ball up, doesn't run the channels, um, is not consistent enough with his work rate he puts the ball in the back in it so with that the Serie A is it's the most perfect league for him in my opinion yeah. he won't need to run around too much he'll put the ball in the back in it he'll get space and time and he'll, he'll get a lot of inferior games because he's going to sign for one of the big boys I think one of the Milans and then uh, you know he'll be playing a number of games where he'll get chances and he'll put the ball away. Mm -hmm. uh, last one, uh, Christian asks, um, "Why capture one one today? It just went final as we take <laughs> this, did. but uh, we we did PVR it, so we'll go back home and watch this. But uh, what have we seen from the Whitecaps? Not seeing this game, but it's they were unfortunate in Orlando. He did the game in LA, yeah. they won that. It's a draw against Philly, not ideal. No, uh, but." Um, 
there's small steps going forward and, and, and things to like about it. Yeah. Small steps, things to like, not enough, not enough there. Not, to not enough quality, really. Not enough quality, not enough in terms of development and progression that gets me excited about this team. They're in a tough division this year as well. Yeah. You see San Jose going from really dejected deflated team to all of a sudden one of the best teams in the West you know getting things together under a coach that we know once they buy in and once things start happening they could be really good really good you know because the way the the, uh, tactical way that Almeida goes vastly improved under their own Galaxy are are very good Uh, Alessandrini will be a miss with a knee injury Uh, Corona's been a brilliant signing Jonathan DeSantos playing some of the best football I've seen him play Uh, and they have Zlatan up top and they're still vulnerable defensively uh, but the white caps, it's just it's just a grind, isn't it? It's it's not fluid enough, and it's um, it's not a whole lot different football from what we've seen from them in the last couple of years. And no. and we were told it was going to be yeah. And so that's why I bring that up. If we were just expecting much of the same, and there was a realistic, uh, you know, um, preseason from the Vancouver Whitecaps, what we're going to expect, then that would be one thing. But we were told we were going to get this exciting brand fast flowing football and we're not seeing enough of it no we'll keep our uh, thoughts on the rest of it until we watch it and we will speak more about it next week but i just get the feeling that look they can only do with so much of what they've got and uh there are plenty other teams swimming up ashore and um breaking you know <laughs> length records if you want to put a swim analogy in there and the white caps at best treading water yeah at, at the moment um thank you for listening make sure to subscribe rate and review we really do appreciate it we are going to start reading them on air so as we do every week so continue to send them in swordfish writes great coverage of football everywhere especially mls and cpl which isn't the most prevalent in coverage elsewhere kj and steven know their stuff they have played and covered football from all over years and it shows they also make me look super smart when talking to friends about football always look forward to the next episode thanks swordfish we appreciate the kind words Stephen good show enjoy thank that thank you I really thanks, enjoyed buddy. that KJ thanks Shawnee thanks to Clay as usual and we'll speak to you next week and a reminder after the Man City game so we'll chat next Monday cheers Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.